Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John Newfeld. Today we're continuing our 150th anniversary of celebrating Canada with a series called I Am Truly Canadian. And today, a very special program, an interview about a nation with Michael Haken. Let's join Dr. Newfeld now. Hi, this is Dr. John Newfeld here of Back to the Bible Canada, and we have a very special week this week as we're celebrating Canada Day. And I have a very special guest, a friend of mine, and uh, as well a great scholar, and his name is Dr. Michael Haken. Uh, Michael, welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Uh, Thank you. I just want to introduce you a little bit. Uh, Michael came to the Lord at the age of 19 has been serving in Christian ministry a great many years. Uh, For a while, he was the uh, principal of Toronto Baptist Seminary and uh, presently serves as a professor at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, although Michael is a Canadian and a very proud Canadian. Uh, I have some of the books, Michael, that you've written, and I don't know, I, I think you've written more books than I've actually read. Uh, You've got Rediscovering the Church Fathers, Rediscovering the Church of Jesus, the Reformers, Puritan Spiritual Mentors. We could go on and on. One, An Ardent Love for Jesus. Um, You've written so widely that Russell Moore once said of you, I sometimes wonder if Michael Haken is just one scholar or a conspiracy of brilliant minds masquerading as one man. Well, that's quite a compliment, and it's delightful to have you here uh, today. Michael, what we want to talk about is Canadian history, and that's one of the areas where you've specialized. And so I want to begin by asking you an important question. Most students studying Canadian history don't have a sense of Christianity's place in this nation. I mean, they think that, you know, Canada is a nation of immigrants and simply that we have accepted people of a variety of different religions. Is that an accurate account of the foundation of our nation? Well, I think one of the problems that we have uh, in terms of the teaching of Canadian history, and this has probably been the case since the 1960s, is that the um, academy, the historical academy in Canada, the men and women who are trained as uh, historians of the history of Canada, have by and large, probably for the best part of 30 to 40 years, between, say, 1950, mid-50s to the mid-90s, uh, really kind of omitted uh, the whole area of faith and particularly Christianity as a significant building block of this nation. Obviously, you know, maybe there's cursory attention paid to the Jesuit missions in Ontario and Quebec in the 17th century. But once, certainly once you hit the 19th century and uh, Confederation and the formation of our nation, religion really plays a, a very much a, a back role and if it's mentioned at all. And so the impression, I think, is given broadly uh, today uh, that, that religion has not been uh, a major factor in this nation, and by religion we mean Christianity. Right. So let's talk about that, because I think from, from your reading of Canadian history that, that, in fact, the Christian faith has been significant and central to the formation of this nation. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the case with the earliest uh, colonization of of Canada. Leaving to one side the the rights or wrongs of Europeans to come to this nation and uh, 
put down roots and take land, etc., and recognizing that the First Peoples have not always been well treated by uh, the Europeans. Nonetheless, the Europeans who came here, French and English, uh, both of them were deeply shaped by religious convictions. Uh, One would think initially French, well, Catholic, English, Protestant. It's not so simple. Uh, Many of the earliest French settlers here in the 17th century would have been Huguenots, Calvinists. Uh, that does change in the mid-17th uh, century. But uh, even with you know, Roman Catholicism, there is still that broad framework of, of Christianity, belief in Christ as God, the Trinity, the deity of the Lord Jesus, etc. And uh, certainly the English settlers who came uh, also had the same sort of convictions. And so Christianity was a... It wasn't the only thing that glued these people together, but it was a significant part of the fabric and glue of Canadian society well into the 20th century. So there is a change that happens, but before we get to that change that happens, if we can, Michael, can we go back to Confederation itself and the, and the formation of the nation? Is there any sense that you know of as Canada is being formed that uh, an understanding of a Christian Canada is central to the minds of um, of the Fathers of Confederation. Well, some of them, not all of them. I mean, a person like John A. Macdonald certainly wouldn't have had that prominent in his mind. Right. Others, though, it would have been. Uh, for instance, Leonard Tilley, who was a politician from New Brunswick, eventually uh, Lieutenant Governor of New Brunswick, and a, a key player in all of the three major conferences that led to Confederation, he is the one who is reputed to have come up with the name uh, for Canada of Dominion. And he got that from his regular Bible reading. He was reading Psalm 72 and verse 8, and uh, he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And uh, Tilly was uh, very, very strongly committed to the Christian faith, an evangelical, uh, a major figure in uh, New Brunswick Anglicanism, uh, a member of the Tract Society, and for him, Christian Christianity was very, very central to his life. And he obviously is thinking along the lines of of Canada uh, being this new nation that was being formed in the 1860s as being uh, under the dominion of, of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, so he shall have dominion from sea to sea. Yep. Uh, that, that understanding... Psalm 72, verse 8, really is that the God of the Bible should have dominion over this land that was being formed. Yeah, yeah. And so the phrase from sea to sea is taken up as a motto, and it comes directly from Psalm 72. Um, Some time ago, Michael, I had an opportunity to to be in the uh, Peace Tower, uh, in which there is a book of the war dead of Canada. And I was amazed with the amount of scripture verses that were there, especially from Ephesians 6, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood and so forth. Uh, is there that also that sense, you know, throughout the wars of Canada that, that somehow that, you know, the God of the Bible is the God that's sustaining this land? Yeah, that's certainly the case in the First World War. The First World War is almost, um, it's got elements of a holy crusade in it, rightly or wrongly. Uh-huh. Uh, the men and women who joined up, particularly men, obviously, uh, in the First World War, had a sense of they were defending Christian civilization against uh, hordes of barbarians. Uh, I'm not sure that's a correct reading of what's going on in Europe in the First World War, 
But that's neither here nor there. What's significant is the sense that uh, Canada was a Christian nation, and they were engaged in defending that Christianity. Now, Michael, when we think about Canada, we, we think about Canada as, you know, foundationally a Protestant and a Roman Catholic uh, confluence or uh, some kind of an agreement between Catholics and Protestants to kind of cohere together as a nation. Is that a correct understanding? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the very fact that, uh, you know, separate schools uh, have guaranteed uh, provincial status, uh, the fact that the Roman Catholic faith was accorded such status in Quebec. Um, and it wasn't the case, as it is now, that the, the rest of Canada was uh, religiously neutral. It was Protestant. And so, you know, during during the 19th century, it would be easily, you know, in terms of statistics, 70 to 80 percent of people were attending a Protestant uh, congregation outside of Quebec. So, Michael, you're saying that 70 to 80 percent of Canadians outside of Quebec would have been attending a Protestant church? Yeah. From what, what years are we talking about here? Well, we're looking at the 19th century, and probably the height of that would be between 1850 and 1890. Um, after the First World War, things began to change significantly, and especially after the uh, 1960s, uh, there is a precipitous uh, decline in terms of church attendance. But... Um, Church attendance is still, I mean, it, it's a dominant feature of Canadian life, which I, to come back to the, the, my statements at the beginning of our time together, this makes the failure to report this by Canadian historians significant. Um, they, they give the impression that previous generations were as secular in their mindset as they are. Right. But the truth is, previous generations, Christianity was a major shaper. If they were not actually personally committed to the God of Scripture, the morality and the ethos and the mindset and worldview shaped them. Thank you. We're going to be right back with Michael Hagen. We have so much more to talk about. Now is the time to register for Back to the Bible Canada's Celebration Caribbean Cruise this February 2018. Nine days upon Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas, enjoying all that an incredible cruise ship has to offer, and do so while being encouraged and inspired by the Bible teaching of Dr. John Newfeld, laughter and encouragement by Laugh Again's Phil Calloway, and wonderful music and worship with guests Shane and Angela Weeb. Bring friends, bring family for this great vacation experience. And make sure to register soon to avoid disappointment. Back to the Bible Canada's Celebration Cruise, February 2018. For more information or to register, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. And remember that all of our ministry vacation events or tours are funded exclusively by the participants and no ministry resources are used for this purpose. back with Dr. Michael Haken, and we are talking about the impact of the Christian faith on the nation of Canada. 
Christians. We're celebrating 150 years together as a nation. This is such an important question for Christians to consider. Michael, we've been talking about that a great percentage of the Canadian population would have counted themselves Christian in the in the 19th century. Yes, yes. I mean, again, uh, one could raise questions about, you know, uh, would they have genuinely known new birth, at regeneration, etc. But in terms of the, the reigning, the regnant ethos in the 19th century, it was definitely Christian. Right. So I would think that when we're talking about Protestant denominations, I think we're talking probably about uh, Anglicans, we're talking about uh, Baptists. What else are we talking about that are the, the significant players? Yeah, the most significant players would be the Methodists and the Presbyterians. Uh, the Methodists and the Presbyterians, and they were really responsible also for evangelization of the nation. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I mean, the Methodists, uh, both Methodists and Presbyterians were ardent in terms of evangelization. Baptists lagged behind that for a variety of reasons, partly because of their emphasis on the autonomy of the local church. Um, Anglicanism uh, was also very, you know, a large part of Anglicanism in the 19th century in, this, in uh, Canada would have been deeply evangelistic. You know, in some respects, the, the recent revelations regarding the um, uh, resident schools uh, that, in which uh, Native children were brought up has, has tarnished the, the witness of, say, Anglicanism, because many of the Anglican uh, missions were, were, were tremendous missions to uh, to First Peoples, to the Eskimos, uh, the Inuit, and uh, in the light of you know the, the the challenges that these these residential schools have raised, that that's easily forgotten, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, now that's such an important thing because I think most evangelicals today will look at Anglicanism and we think about it as a a liberal form of Christianity. I have a very, very dear friend who uh, pastors an Anglican church, and um, he tells me until he came to Canada, um, he had been raised in Australia in a very biblicist Anglican diocese and then had spent a great deal of time in Africa with his father as a missionary. He said until he came to Canada, he had never encountered a liberal Anglican in his life. Now, that's shocking for some of us, right? Wow. Yeah, that would be be very surprising uh, for many of us. Um, but the way that Anglicanism has gone in the 20th century betrays its 19th century roots. Uh, its 19th century roots were deeply committed to evangelization and uh, were particularly successful, as I said, among uh, First Peoples and uh, Inuit. So we have a nation in which the majority would count themselves Christian in some sense, and this is in the 19th century, uh, and uh, you know we don't know how many were, were actually born again, but in, in the most sense, they would have thought themselves as Christians. I would assume, therefore, Michael, that on a Sunday morning, the country was in church. Would that be right? Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the First World War, you have statements going out about national days of Thanksgiving, uh, and it's expected that people would be in church, thanking God for the end of the First World War. Uh, yeah, so, it, yeah, it's a given that people uh, would be expected to have gone to church. Um, and in some ways, this is this is a negative element to it, the negative element being that church was a place where you went if you wanted to maintain your respectability within the community. Uh, on the other hand, in the 19th century, many of these churches, the gospel was being preached, the majority of them. And um, again, you can't, we, we can't determine at this stage how many would have been evangelical, but, I mean, 
the, the Methodists and the Presbyterians overwhelmingly were evangelical denominations of the 19th century, and they easily, commented, they easily accounted for 66% of Canadians. My goodness. 66% yeah. of Canadians would be in one of those two denominations. I'm, I'm assuming you're now talking about English Canada. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. I'm not talking about Roman Catholic Quebec right. or, you know, Roman Catholics in the province of Ontario with, you know, the immigration of Irish, uh, Franco-Ontarians, etc. No, I'm not talking about them. But I'm talking about in terms of Anglophone, Anglophone Canada. So as something, something changed in this country, I mean, you mentioned, first of all, the end of the First World War, and then you mentioned the, the 1960s and 70s. So can you help us through that? What, what was the transition point in our nation? Yeah, the, the First World War was a devastating event. We lost more men in that war per capita than any other war in our history. And the Christianity, to some degree, that had been taught really didn't prepare men uh, for the horrors and the hell of trench warfare in uh, Europe. And we have examples of men going with uh, faith in God, losing it in the trenches. I see. And um, uh, a number of church leaders like Thomas Todd Hunter Shields, C.T. Shields in, in Jarvis Street Baptist Church, expected that uh, when the soldiers returned, it would be the harbinger of revival. It wasn't. Huh. So... It- is it that we had some kind of a, you know, a defect in what you, you're mentioning? We, we didn't prepare them for suffering? Did we not prepare them for an idea of, you know, of an altogether sovereign God? What is it that was lacking in what we were doing? Well, I, th- I think the, the, the wickedness of humanity. Aha. I, I think, I think a, a critical factor is that by the early 20th century, even among the evangelicals, there was a therapeutic uh, Christianity and uh, it, it failed to, to, to really stress the sinfulness of humanity. Uh, and so when, I mean, you, there's just no, if, if you think that men and women are intrinsically good, you've just got a, you've, you've got a major, you've got a major theodicy problem. You know, how do you justify the ways of God in light of the horrors of the trenches? Well, now here's a question for you, Michael, and that is, it, it, when you have a nation which would predominantly say it's Christian, is that, you know, so it, it becomes the cultural reality of the nation so that, you know, this, this idea of a dramatic break with the past and repentance of, of sins that were once there and a, you know, a, and a new nation, the nation of God in Jesus Christ, is that forgotten so that it just becomes a part of Canadianism to be Christian? Yeah, it does. I mean, it becomes a, you know, a social, uh, it becomes a cultural religion to some degree. And uh, uh, because they're also, even among, say, the Methodists, uh, I think it's particularly acute among Methodism, by the end of the 19th century, instead of the emphasis being on the new birth and regeneration, the emphasis was that Christianity was a process and that you could be cultivated and you grew into the faith. My. I was not aware that that, because when I think about Methodism in its, you know, John Wesley kind of a form, it always looks for a dramatic conversion. Yeah, but that's, that's definitely changing by the late 19th century. I see. So you have, you have the First World War as a major factor. Um, you have the growth of liberal theology. Yes. And uh, the emptying of the Christian faith of its core, its core convictions. The doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the resurrection, the inspiration of Scripture, the miracles—that's uh, certainly a major factor. Uh, the 
the the way in which the church serves as a vehicle for the spread of um, of 20th century Western culture is also a factor. Now, this is such an interesting issue because I think what you're describing for us is that the church stops being the church and becomes a vehicle of its culture rather than as a, a witness to the culture. The prophetic element is gone. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when, but, but by the late 19th century, the church has been enormously successful so that to basically to be an English-speaking Canadian is to be a Christian. Yeah. But that's a problem. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for this. We have so much more to talk about, um, and I would encourage our listeners to, to tune in tomorrow. We, we have so many unanswered questions, and please be a part of this because I think this will have something to say about our own faith and what God wants the church to be today. John, what an intriguing conversation you've had today, and it, and it's uh, it's it's explained so much to me about uh, Canada culture, Christianity. But I got to ask you a question. This is a bit of a probing question. Is it true the rumors actually out there that you planned your wedding day around Canada Day? <laughs> yeah, yes, that is true, Ben. Uh, my anniversary is on Canada Day, July one, uh, when uh, we got married. Uh, Kathy's dad had said, "Are you sure you want to do this? They're going to have fire." works every time you're and, and and you know it's it's we've had a day off every single anniversary so I've had the opportunity to to spend time with my wife without working. Uh, that's amazing. I knew you were a wise man but <laughs> wisdom wisdom. Listen, just seriously though, this whole idea of culture and how the church is speaks into culture or ought to speak into culture and are we being frightened away from that? Yeah, now here the those are very serious questions because I do think there is a, a timidness around uh, Canadian evangelicalism at this point in time, and we need to regain our footing and begin to get confident again in the gospel and to believe that what we have to share is something significant that this nation so desperately needs to hear. Um, you know, If I were to take a page from people on the opposite side, for instance, those who fought for the sexual revolution, I mean, they just never seemed timid to me. They seemed uh, forceful and confident, but what were they confident in? And so here we have this confidence in the resurrection of Jesus. So uh, I think just because our culture wants to define us on the margins or at the periphery, I don't think we need to go there. I think we can speak as if we don't belong in the periphery, that we need to speak directly to our culture. Thanks so much, John. You know, we have much more to look at this week. We're going to be celebrating our 150th anniversary as a nation. And Michael will be back with us tomorrow and uh, Dr. John Redekop the day after. But thanks so much for joining us today right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. New episodes of our Truth and Life Today video series will be airing every week this month, discussing issues of faith and Christian living, stimulated through the questions of viewers and listeners across the country. This month, we'll discuss the use of our money, passages of Scripture that talk about our living hope and faith, the church, its importance, and the, the need to participate, and the important questions around the book of Revelation. 
We're so excited that you're continuing to send in your questions. And if you haven't and would like to hear an issue discussed, you can send your questions through backtothebible.ca and click on Truth and Life today. And for more information or to support this ministry, the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, Laugh Again, In Doubt, or Back to the Bible Kids, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.